Lord, we seek your face as we worship you. You so seek to understand your word and to hide your word in our hearts. Let it transform us. Let it sanctify and make us holy. So Lord, this time is, is yours. I pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, upon our hearts and our minds as well as we seek to understand you, your word, as we put into practice what you command us to do. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can see this is the third in the series on not a fan, but first of all, a warning. There is a very challenging word from Jesus just ahead of us. It's very in your face. So unfortunately, we don't have seatbelts. Otherwise, I would ask you to fasten your seatbelts and, and let's move on. What must I do? I must read the scriptures. Okay, there are three accounts uh, recorded of this particular incident in Jesus' life uh, in Mark 10, in Matthew 19, and in Luke 18. And I've chosen the account from, from Mark, which is the earliest gospel to be written. So if you can turn to Mark chapter 10 from verse 17. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10 from verse 17 until the end. And we'll read it together. One day we will have a competition to see whether flipping a book Bible is faster or swiping your iPad. <laughs> right? Mark chapter 10 from verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all this I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible. But with God, but not with God, all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So this is the famous account in Jesus' life about the rich young man. But if you refer to the account in Luke, it also calls him a ruler. So he is a, a rich young ruler, probably a ruler in a religious setting, a ruler of the synagogue. So he was rich, he had possessions, he was young, he had promise, he was a ruler, he had power all the good peace. He had health and wealth. He was rich, wealthy. He was young, healthy. He had position, promise, power, but he had a pressing problem. 
what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? In Mark and Luke, he called Jesus good teacher. What must I do? And how would you answer this question of the rich young ruler? For those of us who have been schooled in the doctrine of salvation by grace, we might say, if we were Jesus to this rich young ruler, we'll say, hey, wait a couple of years for me to die. Yes, die. Die for your sins. Then three days later, I will come back to life. You just pray a sinner's prayer. Don't do. What must I do? Don't do. Just be. Just believe. And that's all. Oh, and I will go and prepare a mansion for you in heaven. Then a few thousand years later, I'll come back for you as well as for all your descendants who believe like you and I'll bring all of you to heaven. Theologically, John 3.16 sound? Yes. Doctrinally correct? Also yes. But Jesus didn't answer this way. Jesus began where this rich young ruler was and he tackled the definition of good. Because the first word that came out of this young man was good teacher. What good thing must I do? And so if you ask the man on the street, are they good? I think practically all of them will tell you, of course, I'm a good person. Right? Okay? I, I, I don't murder, I do not commit arson, I do not burn down anything. Of course, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. And the rich young ruler was probably also thinking, I'm a little bit better, certainly no worse than the average Joe in, um, in Judah, in Israel. In fact, compared to the other people, I think I'm pretty good. And so, good teacher, Jesus, what must I do to be gooder, to be better? I want to get ahead in life. In fact, be the first in line for eternal life. Know what I mean? And Jesus then cut to the chase and he said, only God is good. Because only God is sinless. Everyone else sins. And he might as well have reminded the rich young ruler about, don't you like, don't you read the Psalms? Psalm 53, verse 1, there is no one who does good. Psalm 14, again, verse 1, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. And this is repeated for us uh, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 3, verse 12, all have turned away, they have together become worthless, there is no one who does good, not even one. Continuing Romans 3, 23 then, for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Only God is good. And then Jesus pointed to the law, to the commandments. Which ones did he pointed out to? This rich young ruler. Well, if you look at the rich young ruler, you can, maybe there are two um, two views of him. One is that he was truly humble. He was truly humble, seeking uh, the truth and, and asking Jesus, please elaborate uh, which commandments. More details, please, Jesus. Another view was that this rich young ruler was a self-righteous fellow. And his attitude was like, so, which commandments do you think I cannot hack? Bring it on. Maybe he was like that. And then Jesus gave him five, six commandments. Five don'ts, one do. Don't murder, commit adultery, steal, lie, defraud, five, and do. Honour your father and mother. Why did Jesus choose these six commandments in the law that has ten? And why did he choose especially the five negative ones? Don't do this, don't do that. One possibility is that essentially we are all Pharisees by nature. We like negative commands. You don't agree? Because it tells us where the limits are. We like to know the limits of our religious obligations. Giving, 10%. No higher, good. Worship, 
two hours on a Sunday. No higher, good. Forgiving, 70 times 7 equals 490. No higher, good. And often we, we prefer to ask a question like this. When can I stop loving my neighbour? Then how much should I love my neighbour? Now you agree? Negative is good. And this rich young ruler said, all this I have kept since I was a boy. What do I still lack? I'm about to leave you, Jesus, speechless. I've done it, been there. Why did Jesus point out the law to such a seemingly innocent question as to what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why didn't he just say, I will save you by grace through faith. Whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. Why didn't he say that? Last week, Pastor Chiming said that um, the hardest person to treat, uh, as in a doctor situation, is not a doctor, but one who doesn't think that he is sick. Right? Then how do you treat such a person? The hardest person to save, in fact, the one impossible to save, is the one who doesn't think that he is a sinner, who thinks that he is good. And that's why Jesus pointed to the law for this rich young ruler. In Romans chapter 7, verse 7, Paul elaborates this. He says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would, have, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. The law points out sin, reveals sin. And so what did the rich young ruler say to, to Jesus? He said, all this I have kept since I, I was a boy. All these five don'ts and one do I have kept religiously, legalistically, what do I still lack? And Jesus wanted to show this rich young ruler what he truly lacked, the true state of his heart and how ungood, how ungodly, how incomplete and how imperfect he really was. But you notice that what Jesus left unsaid spoke even louder than what he said. He listed six commandments. There were four more. And so if you look at the table of the law, the Ten Commandments, there are two parts, as there were two tablets. One is toward God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto me a graven image, an idol. And do not use the name of the Lord in vain. That one is the God word one. And then the second tablet is all the thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, uh, covet, and, and all that. The first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. And the rich young ruler had a foreign object in his heart and he didn't know it. He had a, an idol in his heart. And Jesus' response, Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. You know, if the rich young ruler was just a humble, innocent seeker, it would have been quite easy to look at him and love him. But what if he was the other one? What if he was the proud, in-your-face kind of a guy? And, and Jesus looked at this proud, arrogant, rich young ruler and loved him. Both ways are possible for Jesus. Jesus loved the unlovable, like quite a few of us here, actually all of us here, unlovable. And then Jesus cut through the doctrine, cut through the legalism to the heart of the matter. And he went all the way into the rich young ruler's wallet. Jesus looked at him and loved him and he spoke perhaps in a tone like this, one thing you lack, Go, sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. 
And then Jesus looked around to his disciples and said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then the disciples were, were amazed at his words. And then Jesus emphasized, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this in love. In loving words, in, with loving eyes, he looked at him and he loved him. And he knew that this rich young ruler had an idol in his heart. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, drastic action is needed. It was tough love. The richest young man has become the idol in your life. It has become so big that it is impossible to surrender. It is sitting on the throne of your life. And you walk away sad because you had great wealth. No, great wealth had you. And my tough love, Jesus would have said, demands that whenever you have an idol, you smash it, you burn it, and you get rid of it. There is no compromise. Or it will eat you up from the inside like cancer. Can you understand that, rich young ruler? In Matthew 24, verse 12, it reads, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And that's why Jesus talked about the law. Because you can't keep the law means you are lawless. If you are lawless, means your love will grow cold and you will die inside. And everyone who breaks the law is lawless. Sin is lawlessness. A, sin, a sinner is lawless. You, see, you think you, you kept the law and therefore you're not a sinner? Don't you know that it is impossible to keep the law to earn entry into heaven, into eternal life? Can't you see that you have not kept the law? That you are lawless and that your love has grown cold your heart, something inside has died. Your heart is diseased. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he compared it to a camel going through the eye of a, a needle. And by the way, there are commentators who say, oh, the needle, the needle is not what you, you and I know as a needle. It's some gate in in, in what, Jerusalem or in Israel, a very low hole gate, and there the camel will shed all its belongings uh, and then can crawl through. It's not. Okay? I've checked the commentaries. It's, I don't know where this came from. When Jesus says needle, it me, he means the needle, the small little needle, and that you can't see a camel going through the eye of a needle. There's, there's no easy explanation out of this. It is impossible. It's sort of like a, a, a well-known Christian, a, a Christian a rich businessman uh, who was visiting a church and asked to give a testimony. And so he said, I have a fine family. Look at my beautiful family. I have a large house, uh, a successful business. I have a pretty good reputation. I have plenty of money that God has blessed me with so that I can support uh, Christian ministries very generously. In fact, many organizations want me to be on their board of directors. I have good health, almost unlimited opportunities. What more could I ask from God? And a voice from behind said, how about asking Him for some humility? It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven because rich people have no lack. They are full. They are full of themselves. But it's not just the financially rich that cannot get through the eye of a needle. Have you come across a financially poor person who is full of himself? I have, just last Tuesday. An ex-offender came out of prison many years ago, comes and sees me off and on quite regularly, saw me in December, wanted to see me on Saturday, and then he came last Tuesday. He's got no job, he's got no money. 
reasonably healthy, quite muscular, of course, some tattoos, very articulate in English. And he never fails to remind me that when I helped him some years ago, I gave him some, uh, loaned him some money, he said he returned that loan. I cannot remember. As far as I know, there's only one person who has ever returned a, a loan to me, uh, you know, uh, like that. But he said he did, so okay, maybe he did. Then he says, at least I don't take drugs like these other people, you know. Uh, can you give me some money? At least I'm not like them. I'm not like most other ex-offenders. And actually, I don't come to you that often. December, Saturday, Tuesday. Actually, I don't come to you that often. And he even quoted a Bible verse to me. He said, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> I tell you, it was time for tough love. It was time for tough love. And I wish I had some profound verse that Jesus used. Mine was very simple. I said, so and so, bottom line is, I'm not going to give you a loan today. Certainly not in the hundreds that you are expecting. If you are hungry, let's go for lunch. I'll buy you lunch. Then he pleaded, just a little something, something, not hundreds, something. Or or how about easy link card so that I uh, I can go home? Then I said three times in recent weeks, you, I don't know whether you took a bus or MRT, you came all the way, I believe it was Topayo, you spent that money, you spent that time to come and see me. Why don't you take responsibility for, your, for, for yourself? Uh, after all, you're a bachelor, you don't have a family to look after, you don't have a family to feed. Why do you go around churches asking for money? Why can't you keep a job? Why do you always sack your boss? When you get angry, you leave the job. So my prescription was, just go to Clementi Mall. I know there's a couple of restaurants there looking for, for help. If you don't have, go to Jam. Uh, I see many advertisements for, for workers. Or go to a halfway house. You say, no, 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 not halfway house. I'm not like those people. Say, go to the destitute home. You say, you got nowhere to live. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't go. T- I'm, I'm not destitute. That's not the place for me. He can, simply cannot see past his own superiority. Financially poor, yes, but full of himself. He was a rich man trying to go through the eye of a needle. The rich young ruler was also a rich man trying to go through the eye of a needle. And Jesus' prescription for him, sell all, give all to the poor, then follow me. And if I may add, Jesus had many other words on this topic he says in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And further down, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What is the lesson for us? Surely, Jesus did not tell all of us here to sell everything and to give everything to the poor. After all, Nicodemus didn't sell everything. He was rich. He didn't give everything away. Or or Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, uh, who got his uh, child uh, healed by Jesus, he did not sell everything and give everything away. Or even that that woman with that precious, uh, expensive alabaster jar of uh, fine perfume. Or Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus only sold half. He only gave half. You cannot enter heaven by selling all and giving all. Let me reframe the question then. Not as, do I have to? Do I have to sell all and give all away to follow Jesus? But are you able to? Sell all. Give it all. Are you willing to, when asked, sell all? Give it all. Because only one will survive. Only one will survive. Okay, that's grammatically wrong, right? Only one will survive. 
It's about the will. God's will or your will. And only one of these wills survive. Survives. Matthew 7.21, that very scary passage in Scripture that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He who does the will of my Father. God's will or your will? Only one survives. If he is Lord, is he the Lord of your net worth? Is he the Lord of your bank account? You cannot serve God and your bank account. Jesus said, you put your treasure in heaven and then let your heart follow your treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6.21 And you get saved by giving up that which holds you. By giving up that which holds you, which is an idol. And then by following Jesus. And it's not about having to sell everything and give everything away. It's about, are you able to? Are you willing to? In your heart of hearts. If He is the Lord, He is the Lord of your bank account. If that is where your treasure is, He is not Lord. If He is not the Lord of all, then He is not the Lord at all. I'm sure we've heard this many times. All means all. Why did Jesus have to set the bar so high? And the disciples felt it keenly, even though they have left everything to, to serve the Lord. Says, like that, nah, who can be saved? Okay, like that, who then can be saved? And then Jesus looked at his disciples with the same look of love that he had for the rich young ruler. He looked at his disciples, all of us here, and Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And Peter said to him, we will have everything to follow you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. The same thing. Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children and fields and with them also persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. And this is where our, our memory verse is. Okay? We, we ought really to be doing this. We selected all the very, very simple ones. Right? Take up the cross, follow me daily. Uh, uh, take up, deny yourself, take up the cross and daily and follow me. Right? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And this week's one, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Want to try that? Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, it is impossible to be saved. It is impossible to get eternal life. It is impossible to enter heaven. Just as it is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, just as it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because he's just full of himself, just as it is impossible to sell your, all your possessions and to give it all away. Impossible. The operative word is with God. With God, all things are possible. With Christ, you can do all things. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Many followers of Jesus have given everything. Actually, more than everything. They have more than sold all and given all. They've given their lives. You know about the martyrs for the sake of Christ. And it is possible. Why was it possible for them and not possible for me? They've given their lives to honour God, to serve God. They've given what they cannot keep to obtain that which they cannot lose. If you heard of that before from some famous missionary. They did not just sing or call out to God, but they did the will of the Father in heaven. God's will or your will? Your choice. Only one survives. But perhaps your treasure is not in possessions or money. 
But your treasure is your vocation, your children, your worldly reputation, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe that's where your true treasure is. And these are the idols that are out of bounds to God. Don't send my children to the mission field. In fact, don't even let them be full-time workers or or full-time staff in the church because I need them to earn money to take care of me in old age. Full-time staff people don't have too much money. Don't touch my investment portfolio, my retirement account. This is out of bounds to you, God. And please, for goodness sake, don't call them idols. They're not idols. They're mine. They are unsurrenderable. Last Friday at a cell group meeting, as we began this series in one cell group, I was asked to, to share uh, about my, my journey with God. I said, ah, you know, Pastor, you were in the business world and all that, and, and you were executive vice president. How did it happen for you that you can like, give that up and, and come into full time? I don't really want to talk about that. Um, but actually, I've given up my career twice. I want to talk about the first one. My career, my vocation in the Air Force, my first career, was my treasure. I mean, to be a fighter pilot. What better job than that? Paid to fly, paid to enjoy life, paid to zoom about at the speed of sound. Hey, who's got a better job than that? And it was my idol then. And I was prepared to lie to achieve that. You've, those who are church members here for many years would have heard this many times. Right? <laughs> but there are some newcomers here. And so I lied. I filled up all the forms. Do you have asthma? No. At that time, it was sort of, it felt to me like an inadvertent slip. But it was an intentional lie. So I said, no, 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 no. And you and I know that if you have an asthmatic condition, you certainly cannot fly jets or fly at all. Uh, in those days, even now. And so I lied, 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 lied through all the tests for many years. With men, it is an impossible thing to give up a good career. But I had gone so far. So much was at stake, including if I were to confess, including the possibility of a court-martial, and then they asked me to pay back all my scholarship money, which was like six figures in those days. Too much was at stake. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So towards the end of my university education, the Lord was working in my heart. I said, I have to go back now and tell the truth. And I got the whole of Brunswick Parish Church, an Anglican church that I, I attended as a student. I said, please pray for me. So on the last Sunday, I went up the stage and everybody was praying for me and all that. And I came back with just about enough strength to make a confession, to honour God above career. An intercession of the saints make the impossible possible. So what's more? After I, I so-called left my career to honour Jesus, and like all these disciples who have left their houses and brothers and sisters and mother and fields. God, give it back to me. Give it back to me. And according to His word, I received a hundredfold in this age. Not after I die, before I die. I received a hundredfold. I was promoted ahead of my peers. I was given the very best jobs because I didn't have to spend many years in flying training. And I received a hundred times as much it's, it's really very unusual. It's very unusual. And I guess up to now, my contemporaries, those in the same year, feel jealousy over that. Say, Kofa is not that good. Kofa is not that good. And how can he be head of department at 27? But my God is that good. My God is that good. He forgives a liar. And then he rewards that liar with more than you can ask or imagine. You know the famous verse, Ephesians 3, verse 20. You can do, God can do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine. With God, all things are possible. It's more than possible. It's more than we ask. 
is more than we imagine. So I often wonder what happened to this rich young ruler? Perhaps he got richer, certainly he got older, perhaps he got rulerer. He had more things to rule over, he had more power. Perhaps he felt that it was still impossible to give up all and to follow God. And then he will continue to be sad. He walked away, his face downcast, sad, because he had great wealth. Actually, great wealth had him. He was swallowing him up, swallowing him up. Some speculate that this rich young ruler was Mark, the guy who wrote uh, the Gospel of Mark. Some also speculate that perhaps it was Barnabas who eventually sold a field and laid the proceeds at the feet of uh, the apostles. We don't know who he was. And if it was Mark and it, the rich young ruler was Barnabas, hey, a great story, a great ending. They would have proven that with man, impossible. With God, all things are possible and hallelujah great end to that story, but we don't know the end to that story. But we hold in our hands the end to our story. Are we going to walk away sad this morning because we have this unsurrenderable something that is eating up our heart? It's unsurrenderable because it's gripping you. Romans 12, 1 and tells us, therefore I urge you, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this, more than raising hands in worship and singing at the top of your voices, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Only one will survives. You want a good, pleasing, and perfect one, or you want yours? And God is calling out for living sacrifices. A living sacrifice is one that can walk all the way up to the altar, and offer himself or herself to God. A living sacrifice. On the other hand, a living sacrifice can also walk away. You can walk out of this door like the rich young ruler, sad, face downcast. I remember the first time I barbecued crab. You, you might have heard this before. I just took the crab that we bought from the market, all tied up, I put it on the grill. Then the fire began to burn and burn away the rope that ties around the crab and the crab crawled away. <laughs> I had no barbecue crab. The crab walked away in this instance very happy. But I, please, brothers and sisters, I do not want us to walk away from here sad. So whatever your treasure is, your children your career, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, your wife, parents, reputation, it's all crap, C-R-A-P, if it is not surrendered to God. So come to the altar and leave your crap here, not B, uh, C-R-A-P, and then walk away, receiving a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them, persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. That means you get everything. And your natural mind will tell you that this is impossible. Asking me to come to the altar, and before so many people, they say, I'm willing to give it all, that if God should ever look at me and say, sell it all, give it all away, then come follow me. You say, I'm able to, I'm willing. Impossible. Impossible. It's too much to ask. God is too much to ask. But, if your mind is renewed, as Romans 12, 
if your mind is re renewed and you're able to say, my will, God's will, His good, pleasing, perfect will versus my will, one survives. God's will survives. And God even say, and then you will be able to test and see. So let's put it to the test. Malachi tells us, right, that and God even test, 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 test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not room enough for it. That's our God. I want to invite the musicians up to, you will follow in, in, in your little booklet, Not a Fan, there is this beautiful hymn called Take Time to Be Holy. And, and Timothy this morning has chosen many, many hymns and many songs with the theme of holy. It was written by a rich man who followed God. Not a fan, a follower. I don't think he sold everything and gave everything away. I don't think so. But he only wrote one song. One song. And I think God gave him enough ability and grace to write one song. And this is a song. To be holy. To be set apart. That your treasures can be holy if your treasures are given over to God. Set apart for God. One day, God may tell you to sell it all, give it all away. But He may not. He may as you are able and willing to put it at the altar, He multiplies it a hundredfold. Impossible? No. Let's rise. And I want to call out for an altar response for you to do the impossible. To come to the front and say, I'm willing. I am willing. If ever God should say, sell all, give it all away, I'm willing. Whether it is property, children, parents, career. Something that eats your heart up from the inside that you're unable to surrender, surrender it to the NC and test God. Test God. If He will not pour out so much blessing that you have not room enough for it. If He will not give you a hundredfold in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. As in, take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord. Peace. 
Let me invite you to surrender. Surrender anything which holds us back from following Jesus. Surrender what might have become an idol, boldly, even publicly, and see if the Lord will not open up the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing that you will have not room enough for it. Would you dedicate your lives to following Jesus, whatever the cost? And our God is not some miserly old man up in heaven looking to inflict suffering on us. He wants to bless us, but He cannot bless us when we hold back from Him. Because we are so full already, so this morning surrender. Surrender your career to God, and see if He will not multiply a hundredfold. See if He will not open up the floodgates of heaven. Surrender a boyfriend, a girlfriend to God. Surrender your possessions to God. Surrender your children to God. Should be willing then. Only one will survives. God's will or your will. So we leave the altar open. You can come up later. But do surrender. This is Jesus' word to us. Seek God's will above all. Let's pray together then. Lord, your word to us. sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's cutting, Lord. It's cutting through our heart now. You reveal the secrets of our heart. Lord, look inside there and find it pleasing to you. I surrender. I surrender my career, that which practically defines me surrender it to you if ever you should call me to sell all give all give up a career even to honour you in something else I am willing take it yours take it Lord surrender your children Some the Lord may call into full-time service. Many the Lord will call into service for Him in the marketplace. But service not like any other service to make a lot of money for power, but service as a child of God, a faithful witness in the marketplace, prepared to stand for what is right, what is ethical. God may raise him or her to high places. Surrender. Some of us, even our parents, we need to surrender our parents to the Lord. Sometimes our 
independence and the way we want to honour God is constrained by what our parents dictate. It is time to stand up for God. You love your parents in some other way, but you love God above your parents. might be good for us just to open up our palms to the Lord now in a physical expression of worship. Whatever is in my hands, I hold it loosely. I'm not tight-fisted towards God. It's open. It's all yours anyway. For without God, there is no enjoyment in life, no matter how rich. So Lord, this is yours. I place it back on the altar to you, surrendered to you. And I look forward to a God of grace who knows exactly what I need to multiply it a hundredfold in this age, to open up the floodgates of heaven, to pour out blessings so much that I cannot contain. So I offer up my heart to you, Lord. It is possible. With God, it is possible to live a fully dedicated life. No compromise. God above all. And I thank you that you make it possible even for me. So I pray for all my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you will bless them you will keep their heart pure before you, fully surrendered, and you will bless a hundredfold. Open up floodgates of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, your amazing love. And we walk out of here not sad, but happy, liberated, because it's all cast before you at the altar of your grace. And to know that you look at us and you love us. So thank you, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Giving